Well, hey friends, welcome to the Everyday Mealmanship Podcast. I'm Ty Evans. Thank you so much for being here today. I hope you are doing amazing wherever you are in the world. Uh, we got an awesome episode coming up for you. My good friend Shannon Hoffman and uh, Clinic Coast uh, for quite a few years of our Meal Days at Leatherwood Clinic out there in Ferguson, North Carolina. Uh, she is going to share her experiences, her insight, and her journey through this thing we call mulemanship. So uh, it's pretty fun. It was it was really fun talking to her. I really enjoyed our conversation and the stories. Hopefully you guys enjoy it too. Uh, before we jump into today's episode, I got to give a big shout out to all those amazing sponsors that make this podcast free for you. And those include Mules and More Magazine. My friend Corey Daniels does a terrific job putting together that magazine. You got to read it. If you got mules, you got to read it. Also, uh, Western Mule Magazine, our sweet, dear friends, Ben and Nita Tennyson, they're amazing people. I've been writing for their magazine for years, been reading their magazine since I was a kid, and uh, they're, they're wonderful. Also, got to give a shout out to my buddy Ben Lewis over there at Roman Home Tents. If you're looking for a good wall tent, if you like to get out in the backcountry, you like to pack, you like to hunt, you like to camp, fish, like I do, uh, you got to throw a Roman home tent on your pack mule. It'll do you a lot of good. Also, shout out to my buddy Colt Nearing at Colt Saddlery. If you're looking for a good saddle, he's your man. And last but not least, uh, a huge thanks to Boyd Ranch Mule Days. We appreciate them supporting this podcast continually. And we cannot wait to go to Mule Days. If you guys want to have some fun, come join us. I just talked to Lisa Taka last weekend. They're already sold out of their their pens but uh you can come dry camp bring your own pen bring your own hot wire whatever you got to do uh to keep your mule your horse in there come enjoy mule days we have a ton of fun out there come come ride in the clinic with us come pack with chris clark go out on the trail rides come do the mule ramble the trail course eat amazing food and enjoy good entertainment so we're looking forward to boy ranch mule days coming up in march and with that we will get going here goes Shannon Hoffman. All right, Shannon. Well, thank you so much for for doing this for me today. Great. Thank you for asking me. I appreciate it. It'd be a lot yeah. of fun. Well, there's a lot of people that uh, love you and respect you. And um, I've had a lot of folks say that I've had a lot of uh, guests on from the west but not from the east so <laughs> so so we're giving all the east coast folks what they want we're giving them shannon hoffman oh no <laughs> yep yep but uh well i got a lot of things that that we could cover shannon uh you know i guess one of the biggest things that i really want to talk about is 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 you and uh and mule days at leatherwood um I'd love I'd love more folks to know about Meal Days at Leatherwood. Uh, that would be just wonderful because you put on one of the coolest events. But we'll get around to that. I, I kind of want to, I guess, start from the beginning, uh, Shannon. What what got you into the mules and the donkeys and the horses? And I mean, you've kind of been around it all for a long time. So mm-hmm. why don't you just take us back to the beginning for a little, uh, and we'll kind of get rolling from there and see where the conversation takes us, huh? Sure. I um, I was born to into a family that never had really had horses, but always had the love of it. 
and I actually started writing when my dad was stationed in in the Navy. We were stationed in England, and mm. so that was an interesting concept. And I think my love of donkeys started there, because mm. in England there's actually the largest um, charity in the UK is the UK Donkey Sanctuary, and there's actually a couple really interesting books about the sanctuary. And then when we moved back to the States, I rode hunters uh, for a number of years. And in my late teens, I started showing quarter horses and going all over the East Coast, mainly showing quarter horses, showed at the Congress. I um, graduated high school, went to college, sold my horse, got my horse back. And then it became clear a 4-H kid really needed the horse. Um and they actually ended up going to regionals and placing in regionals. And since the horse was gone, I was miserable. I was just miserable. I was like, I don't have my my thing that I do. You know, I had lots of yeah. opportunities to ride. And um, I uh, kind of said, hmm, I'd ridden with a couple guys who had meals. And I was like, I'm going to go get a meal. And so I did. I ran out knowing nothing about mules. I knew a guy who used to go all the time to Bishop uh, Mule Days. And then he also used to go and ride in the parade. He had a mule named Patches. And I called I called him and he said, well, I got a couple mules. And I said, oh, that one will work. I'll, 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 I'll do that one, you know. And um, so I came back later to get the trailer. And um, this meal's name was Chalk because he had white in his ears. And uh, when I came back to get him, he couldn't meet me. His daughter met me, who was also an adult. Well, there was another meal in the pasture with all the horses, and that meal ran from everybody. <laughs> and I'll call him Huey because that's what I renamed him. Huey would not um, would not be caught. And uh, finally, we separated him out into another pasture in hopes we could catch him at that point however the other pasture was a hundred acres and Huey was having nothing to do with his daughter and I finally said well let me see if I can catch him well I couldn't catch him either well she got mad and she started chasing him with her truck and I'm sitting here going this is getting <laughs> wild and I just remember seeing this mule running around the hundred acre pasture across the hill with her chasing him with the truck. I was like, boy, he's kind of fast. <laughs> and um, <clears throat> after she chased him with the truck and he was still wanting to be back with the herd, you know, uh, somebody came out from the house and said, you know, there's some grain in the, in the barn over here. <laughs> so that's how we caught him. And I said, well, if I can ride him, I, I will, um, I'll, I'll take him. So knowing nothing and I would never do this now, I just tacked him up and rode him for a few minutes. And then we spent an hour trying to get him on the trailer. So that was my introductions to meals. <laughs> wow. And and you yeah. still have, you still have meals. There's a lot of people that would just quit right there. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. You bet. <laughs> and, um, so it was, it was quite an entertaining introduction to meals and, and, um, I also joined um, a meal club that was really active at the time and um, met several of my early mule mentors from that club. And they really, you have to have some help. 
You really do. Even if, because I'm a pretty experienced horse person. I've showed at the Congress. I've started horses, all that. But the mules, after about six or eight months of owning Huey, I questioned everything I knew. Um, and he made sure I questioned everything yeah. I knew. Um, I did learn a really interesting part about mules from him in the very beginning I would pick up the right rein. He was about seven years old. I would pick up the right rein and something would hurt for him. And he would kind of bolt off and I would pull his head around, do one rein stop kind of deal. And then I would turn him left and he'd be okay. Well, come to find out he had wolf teeth that were huge and he had never had his teeth done. But what I learned from him with that experience was after I would pick up the rain and I would pick up the right rain and sometimes it would happen and sometimes it wasn't. And the bit would hit the, I guess the wolf tooth and hurt. And pretty soon after that, he would turn himself into a circle. So I've really learned how quickly the mules can pick up, you know, on, I describe it as sort of like when a happens, which hopefully is the cue and then B is what they're supposed to do. But in between, you might have to, you know, or D is what they're supposed to do. In between, you might have to make A, B, C happen and then D. So pretty soon when I picked up that right rein, if he felt that pain, he would just turn to the, turn himself to the right and stop. So I was like, mules, uh, mules learn a little differently than horses. They, they catch up on things really quickly. Um, <clears throat> but after that, yep. I... I rode that mule and went on some pack trips and met a bunch of other mule people. I was very lucky to have those experiences. Um, and then um, decided I wanted a new mule, um, bought, sold that mule, bought, bought a painted mule that tried to kill me a couple times. That was fun. And he just kind of, I think from, you know, what I know now, like bad training, um, being overly aggressive with them he just would get to a point that he got scared and would bolt and you know so I sold him to <clears throat> a gentleman who I told him everything about the meal absolutely everything he still wanted the meal sold that meal and then I ended up um, buying my meal seven which a lot of people here on the east coast know um, but um, that's the meal I learned um, probably the most from, I had him for 17 years and he went from scared of his own shadow to being self-confident in himself. Um, and it was really fun for me because in order to gain his confidence, I did a lot of, um, you know, body control stuff, which is what you teach, you know, move the front end, move the hind end. Um, so that when we would come to something that he was unsure about, he would um, check in with me first. And then I had all of the buttons to keep us safe and have him not bolt. Now he did bolt a couple times, but <laughs> luckily he was very rideable. And um, he's the one I ended up um, winning several belt buckles on. We did obstacle challenges. Um, and he's the one I took to Western Dressage World in 2018. And he was the only only mule there that year. I think everybody in the place petted him at least once. And uh, we ended up 
third overall in the open intro out of 36 horses. So I was really pleased with that. Oh, yeah. But I was really lucky when I got into meals. I had um, a really deep and very um, well, well-rounded experience base um, from doing the quarter horses and the hunters and different things. I mean, I was learning something every day from the meals. But if I didn't have sort of ability to ride and some, you know, idea of training, um, I think that's why a lot of people, if they don't get help and they end up with the wrong meals, like I did um, <clears throat> in the beginning, definitely get out. Um, and also you just have to be pretty um, dedicated and stubborn <laughs> that you're not going to give up on them. So... Yeah, I've uh, whenever people say mules are stubborn, I always say that I've never met one more stubborn than me. Yeah, yep, yeah. You know? <laughs> I can yeah, hang in there don't. longer, you mm -hmm. know. And I and I tell people if they're stubborn, they have their reasons. You know, they have their reasons for not doing what you're asking them to do. Um, one of the things Huey taught me the first meal I had, we were riding in the the place where I boarded him I didn't have a farm at the time had a <clears throat> had um you know just open area we could ride and I was riding with a couple other ladies and we walked around the back of their house and he would not cross this one area that all the other horses had crossed and just just he would not and I finally just went around the other side of the house because he was just I could tell he was sort of not not just saying no, but he was like, something's wrong. So <clears throat> he um, come to find out about a couple months later, they had to have some rewiring done to their junction box out in the yard. And the wiring underneath that place where Huey would not cross was grounding out. And so he could sense that. Um, and and was trying to keep me safe, saying, you dummy, I'm trying to keep you safe. <laughs> wow. And um, <clears throat> so I've I've always kind of learned to listen to the mule, too, because they're trying to keep themselves safe. And so, you know, in an instance like that where there's no explanation, I have to say, hey, um, you know, it's not about winning, winning this battle or, you know, you don't get into a battle with a meal, but it's not about winning, making them do it. It's about like, Hey, what's your, what's, what are you dealing with that you're not wanting to do that? Um, and it's, um, it, it's funny because two of my favorite things that I think about with meals came from dog people. And one of them is the saying that <clears throat> if you think about the mule or the dog, that they're not being bad, that they're dealing with something, whether it's sort of like a, a a fear or an upsetness or they don't feel well or something is scaring them or they don't feel safe um, with that one. And the other one came from dog people. It came from Caesar Milan. Um, he always says calm, confident leadership. And so that was uh, probably... 15 years ago that I, and I have it on a little sticky note. And it's like, when you go to load them in the trailer, rather than getting all worried about it being a fight, I just try to remember calm, confident that we're going to get on the trailer and leadership to help them get on the trailer. As far as that goes, um, I owned a, 
a pack mule for a number of years who was an absolute amazing mule. Um, and she would adjust to her rider's ability level in a heartbeat. So I could ride her. She'd, she'd get both her leads. She'd jog, she'd trot, she'd do whatever I asked her. She'd side pass. And, but I could put a beginner on her, put her behind me on the trail and never look back. And, but she would only do to the level that the person knew to ask, you know, which was usually a kick and pull, you know, <laughs> and then mm -hmm. I'd have to ride her a couple of times, but she was pretty amazing. And I got to go on a couple of pack trips. Um, I've packed other animals, but she was like the master at packing. And um, when you rode her, if you jumped her over a log or something, she would take off just as smooth and as silk and land just as smooth as silk. And it was from all those years of um, carrying a very heavy pack. Um, and there was a, there's a really neat guy. He's still around. He's in his eighties now named Mike Fitzgerald that lives in Western North Carolina. And, and he's the one I, I bought her from. And um, he used to go to Wyoming and run um, an elk hunting camp for a group. And he's, he would bring all his own stock from North Carolina to Wyoming. And he said that Sadie May said she was the toughest mule he ever owned, that she could carry 250 pounds, packing 23 miles into camp, and that she'd be ready to go hunting the next day. And she was. She was a tough girl. So, But she was very sweet, and I had cookies. Mike never fed her cookies, so I fed her cookies, and I want, I want her over. <clears throat> Because I also worried about buying her. I think he owned her since she was a yearling and she was 11. And I had had another friend who bought um, a mule from an older gentleman that had had the mule for a very long time. And the mule, um, the gentleman was sick, so he was selling his mules. And um, the mule was just distraught and so unhappy that he ended up what wrecking the rat wagon that the guy bought with it and he said I finally just had to bring the meal home because I couldn't do anything with it so um that that meal actually looked for Mike every time she saw somebody at a campground that was a shorter stature and had a black cowboy hat on I had to take her over there to, and she would say oh it's not Mike so that was that was neat to buy that meal um, from him because he was that one heck of a packer and a horseman and she um, it was interesting about her I put her in the round pen one time and I was just going to trot her around a little bit and lunge her before we rode and uh, she didn't know what lunging was he he did not want that any of his meals to go forward from from you know shushing him from behind at all because he had to approach him with all kinds of crazy stuff and elk and all that um to to pack and so he never ever you know drove him forward from behind so it was really interesting interesting meal to own um and currently i i own five and i have um <clears throat> savannah which you know very well and um mm -hmm. and then i have a a colt that's i call him a colt but he'll um um i just started him under saddle i've got about six or seven rides on him and I've been taking it really slowly with him. Um, he's taken longer than I think some other meals to mature physically. And um, 
So he'll actually be, he'll actually be four, but also one years old in the end of February because he was born on leap year. Oh yeah. On leap day, on leap year. So technically the end of next February, he's one years old, but he's four. Um, but, <clears throat> that's awesome. That's yeah. Awesome. But all the, so I picked him up after um, one of the clinics we did with the trail clinic. I went to Tennessee and picked him up and had to run him on the trailer. And he had absolutely no, um, no, no need or want or desire to be with people. So it was truly like picking up a wild, you know, something that never been touched. But I actually um, really liked that because since I, my mentor, Linda Hoover, and I were the first people to handle him and touch him, I could build in that, that softness from the very beginning. And he's very soft on the halter doing the, that kind of stuff. Um, but I did all kinds of obstacles and I'd bring out hats and put stuff on him. And so he's pretty, um, he's, he's, the riding is just sort of okay now you're gonna ride me because we've done so much other other things i'm really excited to see you work kim when i get to leatherwood in may yeah i hope so yeah i hope so and um madalena who i rode in your clinic which is my big red donkey i also um <clears throat> got her when she was pretty young she had been handled um but i really enjoyed um you know, starting them and bringing them up. And, but it, you know, I feel like if you do the work before you get to the saddle, the saddling and the riding is no problem at all um, <clears throat> for them. But I think people get in such a hurry to get on and ride um, that they don't, you know, do all the work. And I'm a big, you know, dot all the I's and cross all the T's so that <clears throat> mainly so that that animal can have a really, really good experience um, when they actually get to the next thing. Um, if you just sort of throw them in the deep end, things things happen that you can't control and you don't like. And 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 still there's going to be things that happen that are out of control. But um, but I've really enjoyed um, since I'm I'm doing some going to do some more trail riding this year than I did last year. But um I've so much enjoyed meeting all the people that follow your clinics and uh, through mule days. And then otherwise um, we really have a, a, a neat group of people who really care about their mulemanship and care about their animals. And also in turn, you know, they end up caring about each other um, <clears throat> and our journey. And it's been great to have, a group of friends and I, I'll say mainly ladies, but we have a couple guys that are awesome in our groups too, um, to sort of share even our tough, tough parts that we have with, with the animals and our struggles with other things in life too. Um, cause I really believe many years ago, I heard, um, the, that basically horsemanship is, is not just something you do with your horse. It's your way that you live your life. And I, I feel like that's um, the people that are following your program and the masterclass and going to your clinics and stuff. Most of them are, are living that. And it's really, really awesome. Really awesome to bring those kind of people together. Oh yeah. It's uh, I think that's my favorite thing, you know, about uh, 
what I get to do is all these amazing people that actually are, are they're trying to live it. You know, they're not just trying to do it. They're trying to live it. And yeah, you know, uh, you mentioned the masterclass, you know, that kicks off this week or I guess on Monday. And, um, you know, one of the first lessons in the first couple of weeks is, Hey, you know what, this is, this is a lifestyle. You can't be one guy at work and be a jerk to everybody and be the boss and then uh, show up to the barn and think that you're going to get along. <clears throat> you know, it, yeah. it, 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 you gotta be, you, you gotta be consistent because uh, there's that old saying, fake it till you make it. Yeah. And it just doesn't work with equine. You just, no. you just can't because yeah. they're, they, they have a, a unique way of reading deeper. You know, it's, it's really amazing how deep they can read, you know, and, uh, so yeah, you, you just, you gotta, you gotta live it. You know, I even tell people, uh, you know, how somebody picks up on a rain or mm-hmm. how somebody goes to lead a mule or a horse or, you know, or even how they cinch up or how they step on, you know, some people are uh, just so darn heavy with, with their hands. They don't realize it. They're not trying to be, they're not doing it on purpose. It's just, they're just how they are. And, I, and so I'll give somebody an assignment. I'll say, okay, I want you to, to grab each doorknob with your tippy fingers, you know, just the fingertips and just barely, barely touch that doorknob to open it up. Yeah. Think about how many people just grab a doorknob and just, Oh yeah. Just twist her on. They just flop down on the couch and they just, you know, yeah, everything, you know, they just can, you know, and carry yourself a little differently and then see how that translates. You know, you, like you just said, even flopping down on the couch. Well, you see so many people that just flop down in the saddle. Oh yeah. Well, how come my mule doesn't hold still? Well, let's see, let's see how you operate. And and it might not be that the mule has any issues. It's just that the mule might be bracing to take an impact. We don't even realize we're doing it. And it doesn't have to be some like, uh, you know, like a heavy person to do that. Yeah, I mean, no. I've seen little kids that flop in the saddle that they weigh 40 pounds and the mule don't appreciate it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's real interesting, you know? Yeah, it was, it was neat. Um, a couple of weeks ago, a lady started coming she and her husband want to have horses and she's had horses when she was younger and the first couple lessons we just went over putting the halter on and how to bridle them and saddle them and she got to where she could tack one up by herself and it was really cool because she said and I hadn't thought of it this way um she said you're so considerate of your animals because I was showing her how to put it on without really bending the ears and you know, that you don't flap the saddle on. And then um, I listened to your podcast about or the um, Australian trip that you just did. And you were saying how the people were so considerate of each other, but they were also considerate of their animals. And I just always, um, I always sort of imagine that, like, say I couldn't dress myself and I had to ask somebody to come and help me get dressed. I would hope that they wouldn't, you know, like, jam the shirt over my head and flop my arms around to put my arms on and so I feel like that um but I I you know it's that part is important to me but I'd never um heard it say that it was considerate you know being considerate of them but um but I think that builds the rapport before you ride that hey I'm not like doing things to you 
you know, we're, we're, well, I am, but I'm trying to do them in a way that's, that's somewhat comfortable. And, um, my meal Savannah, um, has, I will say has, because it can return, but she has some anxiety over being saddled and I don't know where it came from, but it just, that's what was there when I got her. And so I had to do some things with her to help her, you know, realize that she's going to be okay, that I'm going to do it slowly. I'm not going to throw the saddle down um, to the point of, of some cookies and letting her move when she felt like she needed to move until she finally would say, okay, I'm, I'm okay now. And I could put the saddle on. And now, um, I mean, you've saddled her. She just stands there now, but, um, you know, I had to work, help her work through that. Um, but also it's, you know, noticing when they're just starting to get bothered so that you can, you know, cause I know you hear it all the time. All of a sudden he just blew up out well, of the clear blue. Out of the clear blow, there was nothing, nothing happened. He just blew up. And usually you can go back, like you were just saying, and sit, see that somebody flopped on the saddle enough times that the meal just said, I've had enough, you know, of that. Um, but one of the things I, I also do um, that I try to do um, that's, I share it with a lot of people. So some of my friends have already heard it, I'm sure. But um there's a story where a man has all these troubles at work and then his car won't drive. So the boss or the person who hired him brings him home and he's in a pretty foul mood because every tool he had broke and now his truck's broke. And the guy said he noticed he touched the tree in his walkway before he went in the house. <clears throat> and he said, oh, I want you to come in and meet my family. And when he got home, he was like, hey, honey, everything's fine. How are you? Da, da, da. And then <clears throat> the next day, he asked him about that. And he said, oh, I place all my worries on the tree. And when I leave in the morning, I pick them all back up again and go to work. And that way, his family isn't having to deal with all of the, the problems, you know, him being in a foul mood. And so I... I started doing that with where my farm is. There's one particular gate that I go in and out of. And I just use that as a place to sort of stop and maybe place all my worries there, but also check in with myself before I go in there with, you know, we always go in there with expectations of, oh, today I want to work on side passing or I want to work on this and so-and-so needs this and we're going to do that. But when I hit that gate, before I open it and go into their pen, I sort of check myself and say, hey, did you have a bad day at work today? Are you like short tempered? Are you tired? Are you hungry? You know, what <clears throat> what kind of mood am I in? And if I'm not in a very good place, if I'm kind of tired and short tempered because I had a bad day at work, um, then I'm like, huh, maybe today we need to uh, muck out the barn and um, brush the mules, you know, so that I don't get into something um, without my full self being there for them. And because um, they, 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 um, since I got into meals, like I, they've really taught me like they, they want that, they deserve that. And that's the only way to really get things done with them is to be 
sort of present and um, not having a huge agenda that maybe you're not quite ready to see through for the day. If something goes wrong with the whatever you're teaching your meal, um, are you more likely to <clears throat> not respond in a way that you you should? And um, you end up paying for that later if you lose your temper. Um, and um, <clears throat> but I learned a long time ago, I my quarter horse trainer would um, I didn't work for her, but I would come and work horses and help her because I wanted to learn. And she was all of maybe 85 pounds soaking wet. She was a really small lady. And she, of course, rode hunters. So all of her training horses were 16 hands and 17 hands. And <clears throat> she would have me help her when she was starting them. And, you know, they would put them in the round pen and they would buck and kick and I'd have to drive them forward. And, and you know, like one day one of them charged me. And it was a younger horse that hadn't been handled very much. And it just had was tired of running around in a circle with the saddle on. And, you know, I reacted to protect myself and drive the mule or the horse off the, off of me. But I found that, look, like, wow, I didn't get angry. Uh, you know, most people would be very angry if their animal charged at them or kicked at them or did something. But I try to really keep my, myself so that I'm, I'm not angry um, when I'm doing anything. Because that just goes backwards, especially with the mules and the donkeys. So, oh yeah, you're not, you're not kidding about that. You know, I think, uh, controlling emotion is, uh, so, is so critical, you know, and, and I think out of anything, that's the hardest thing to control is our emotion because a lot of it is just, is, is just our brain chemical makeup. Like, mm -hmm. you know, it, it is natural. I tell mm -hmm. people, you don't really need to feel bad about getting upset about something but we just need to learn how to work through it differently. So yeah. you don't need to like beat yourself up. Well, you know, I got, you know, that made me really mad when my, when my mule wouldn't let me catch him. Yeah. Okay. Well, I understand why that made you <clears throat> mad because, you know, and, and you can start to reverse engineer all these things like, okay, well, why do I, what was, what was the, what was the big deal about the mule not wanting to be caught? Well, I was supposed to meet my friends at 10 o'clock to go for a trail ride. Well, what time did you start catching the mule? Well, it was nine 45. <laughs> I had a 10 minute drive. Okay. Yeah. So has your mule been hard to catch before? Well, sometimes. Okay. So, all mm -mm. right. So was it the mule having the issue about being caught or was it you being in a hurry with your time crunch that you, that really made you stress? Cause what if you had all day? What if you didn't have anything to do? Yeah. You know, uh, well, maybe I wouldn't have got mad. Okay, see, so you start to reverse engineer a lot of that stuff and you can see, you know, what re what's really causing the stress or the anger, you know, the the emotion, the fear, whatever it is. Yeah. And that's, that's interesting to me. Um, yeah. Humans are, humans are really interesting people. <laughs> oh, yeah. But, so, you know, you yeah, kind of mentioned, definitely. you kind of mentioned something that I like to talk about a lot in my classes, as you know is you know uh you know you're talking about savannah which you guys savannah is an amazing mule she has the most beautiful tail of <laughs> any creature ever i mean that is a beautiful tail she has uh 
don't let her hang out here, Shannon, because all these babies will chew it right off. Yeah. So that was uh, my most terrifying thing when I brought her home was that Malachi was going to chew her tail. Oh, yeah. I I saw him a couple times with her whole tail in his mouth, nodding his head up and down like, ha ha, I have your tail. And I'm like, uh, I don't think we're doing that. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. I will sell you a meal before you eat that tail. That's right. <laughs> but you you know you're talking about being considerate you know and i and i do like that word that's a great word you know um but in order to be considerate you have to be aware and that's something that i really try to i really try to get my students to be more aware you know and that's that could be anything from situational awareness to being aware of their their mule their horse their, their expressions uh to even being aware of themselves and you kind of mentioned um that felt, you know, that story about the fellow leaving the, leaving the stresses at the tree, you know? Yeah. And, and I go even deeper than that. Um, and, and this isn't always appreciated. Uh, some like, you know, particularly my, you know, sky, I'm a problem solver. So if there's a problem right now, we deal with it now. Like Mm -hmm. I really don't like to put it on the back burner and get to it later. Like it just doesn't work for me. Yeah. That has served me really well with, with horses and mules because, okay, well, Oh, I see that you're bothered by the saddle today. Well, I'm going to help you with that today. I don't care if I had an agenda to go ride and go do this or this or this. Yes. Yes. I do understand. There's sometimes there are emergencies, things that like, okay, well, all right, mule, we got to go. We, the, the, the cows are out you know, I'm I'm going to saddle you up and we're going to go. You know what I mean? I'm not going to work through this saddling. I'm not going to do my groundwork. I'm going to get on and go because we got to go get those cows off the highway. Yeah, I get that. But how often does that really happen? Hardly ever. Mm-mm. The reality is we we usually can fix these things up or, or at least begin to help them out right now. <clears throat> you know, like I said, that sometimes that bothers Sky because she'll maybe have a little stress or a little issue and she'll want to talk about it. While she's wanting to talk about it, I'm trying to fix it. She's like, yeah. no, don't fix it. Just listen, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but besides that, in the rest of my life, it has served me really good. So because of that, I, I can deal with it and then move on. Yeah. And I don't bring that stress, you know, where I, where I had to really learn how to do that was when I was training for the public. Yeah. And I'd have anywhere from 15 to 30 head a month. You know, I've got to ride. Okay. Well, you just get it. You get on this horse and you had all these problems. Well, the next horse in line might be the sweetest thing, the most easiest, simplest learner. And if you bring all that baggage from your little tug of war you had earlier yeah. to the next horse or mule, that's not fair. And mm. so, you know, what I learned is, okay, I'm going to work through this, you know, with, with this colt. Okay. So, so this colt is, scared to death of me, for example. Okay. They're, they're really worried just about me as a human. Okay. Well, I'm going to work through that. I'm going to help them out. I'm not going to get offended by it. I'm going to, I'm going to help them get a little bit better and then I'm going to leave it. And then the next animal I get out. Okay. Yeah. Maybe, maybe she, she just loves me. She's not worried about me at all. Well, I can move on and I can do other things with that animal because, and I get, what's the, I think, what is the word? Is it compartmentalizing? Mm -hmm. I guess I just, you know, I can, I can do that, you know, yeah. it's like at my <clears throat> clinics. 
I get up early. I do my exercise. I answer my emails. I do all that, all that stuff so that when the clinic starts, I can just be at the clinic. I'm not thinking about, you know, the 20, 30 emails that I didn't answer yet. I'm not thinking about the missed calls or the whatever I got to do. I just go to the clinic. And so yeah. I think that's important too. Uh, I, I don't know that any, everybody can do that. So I think so, some people kind of like your example of the tree or the gate, some people might have to do that. Mm-hmm. But but for mm-hmm. me, I don't have to do that because I can solve it one little piece at a time. Yeah. Well, and you've Usually. had a lot more practice than some of us. Yeah. That's for sure. Yeah. It, you know, it's, yeah. It, there's another little concept that that goes with, and I'd love to hear your take on this, but you know, the whole concept of being present, you know, mm-hmm. and I think that's something that, uh, well, I, I've heard it talked about a lot, I guess the last few years. And, and I think it's because we have so many distractions these days. Yeah. If you go back in history, I just think about one per you know, one of the people I, I know, or I knew was my great grandpa you know, he, he grew up in the early 1900s. Yeah. No cell phones, no phones. Yeah. He, they didn't have telephones in their house. No. You know, the, the, if they wanted to do something, they still had to go and, and, you know, into town and to send a message or some, something, you yeah, know, to harness up the mule and yes. <laughs> yeah. It, he didn't ride to with, town. <laughs> exactly. He didn't grow up with a vehicle. He didn't grow mm-hmm. up uh, with electricity no running water, you know? And so that was, you know, that's one little connection I have with the past. I actually knew this guy and he got to see all these things in his lifetime. That's awesome. Yeah. And, but what's interesting is, you know, he he would tell me about, uh, you know, um, like leading the horses and mules to water every day. Yeah. You know, it's a simple, simple job, but they had to do it every day. Take them to water. Yeah. Okay. Well, well, what do you do when you take them to water? You know, you just be with them like that's it. And yeah, you know, they just got to spend a lot of time, but they were just there. He, they didn't have a cell phone in their pocket to scroll Facebook while they're watering. You yeah. know, they, they didn't do that. They were just yeah. there. And I think these days we are bombarded with distractions uh, of all kinds, you know, um, and it seems like you know, the, the further you go in life, the more you have to do, it seems like, right. You got, yes. you know, like you, you got more tasks and more worries and more stresses, it seems like, but, you know, really just being present with the animal sure helps. And, and I heard, uh, I, I heard this said, you know, uh, trying to find balance in life is just not realistic. Yeah. You're just not going to do it, you know, because let's face it, like, you, you know, um, when, when I'm at work, doing a clinic well i'm neglecting my kids when i'm with my kids i'm neglecting work when i'm at 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 church i'm neglecting work and kids when i'm you know like the the way the world goes round and round you know i you just can't have it all but i have learned okay when i'm when i'm with my meals i'm with my meals when i'm with my kid, luckily I get to be with my kids and my mules. So that's kind of, nice. yes. <laughs> you know, but, uh, you know, when I'm at a clinic, I'm at a clinic. When I'm answering mm-hmm. emails, I'm answering emails, you, you know, I'm at <clears> church, <throat> I'm at church type of thing. I don't, you can't balance it, but you can try to be present where you're at. And I think, uh, organizing yourself helps out a lot. So. Oh yeah. I think the, um, 
you know, being present builds up, let's just say, um, money in your account. And so like it's been, I was out of town for Christmas and now it's been raining for three days straight and the meals are like, Hey, are we going to do something? And I'm like, Nope, not in this rain. And I don't really mm -hmm. have a barn barn. So, you know, I just show up and feed them and I might pet them a little bit, but I've got that stored up in them that they are excited to see me. And um, just like, you know, with your kids, like if you're actually present when you're with your kids, that means more to them than if you're worried about work while you're with them, they know you're not with them. Um, and, and you've got that stored up with the kids that when I'm with you, I'm going to be with you. So they look forward to, to being with you. Um, I think the thing about the phones and, and everything else is it's so much more instant gratification and nothing about mules, horses, and donkeys is instant gratification. That is for sure. Um, <clears throat> And then, you know, we learn that we can kind of like be in a meeting, but still scrolling on our phone and get credit for being in the meeting, but we weren't. Um, and the other thing I see, and it's, it's a continuous thing, but I see so many people sort of look to the animal to dump all of their stress on like, oh, he makes me feel oh, yeah. better. And mm -hmm. oh, I have, I'm really have a stressful work life. So I'm so enjoy having the mule. And I know some of them don't mean it that way, but you really can't look to that animal to be your, your emotional support animal, like a dog can, I guess. Um, well, and it's, and it's just common <laughs> sense too. Mm -hmm. Horses and mules are like the biggest anxiety cases of all, yep. right? I mean, yep. they're, they are prey animals. They yeah. are, you know, they have thousands of years of being eaten and chased and scared. And so here we are, you know, and, and I like to, <clears throat> don't get me wrong. I like to think beyond predator and prey. Okay. I, yeah. I don't, I don't base, you know, I don't base my work off that because yeah. I'm trying to get beyond that. But at the base level, yeah, we, we are predators prey, and their prey. We really can't try to put our our baggage on them what is cool is a lot of them you know it's just a therapy part of it though you know when you put your time and effort and and you're trying to help that animal by us trying to help the animal through those situations it is therapeutic for us yeah and i think i think that's what i think that's what the people mean by that I hope so. Yeah. I hope mm -hmm. so too, because it doesn't work the other way around uh, of mm -hmm. just saying, no, okay, mule, help me just feel better. Mm -hmm. But it's kind of like the, isn't that like a principle of life too? Isn't that like one of the coolest gifts of life? Whenever, you know, somebody's feeling down or you're depressed or you're stressed or fearful or, or anything, any one of those things, it's amazing that if you can help somebody else, get through that it actually helps us it's like yeah. the more we give the more we get type of thing mm -hmm. and uh that's really cool and, and anyways i sorry to yeah. but interrupt on that but i think that no, no i I, I think part. just you know on days when when i am stressed that's why i just groom or do that you know do things to take care of them and just being around them does <clears throat> help us feel better um, but yeah, the people that say, you know, I have my horse and he helps me through all my stress or whatever. 
Um, I just try not to dump things on them because they are so sensitive and aware of where, where we are mentally. Yeah. As far as that goes. <clears throat> but, and, and that's um one of the things I did want to share with you. And I, I have a, a mentor that I am so lucky to have right here, 45 minutes from me who um, I can't speak enough about her. I hope to introduce her to you someday. Um, but she, you know, has really taught me a lot of this, this type of stuff. As and, far and I, I assume this is, this has got to be Linda, right? Yeah. Linda Hoover. Yeah. I've told okay, you about good. It before. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I need to get, I need to get her on the podcast. Do you think she'd ever want to do this? Oh yeah. Yep. She, she's awesome with it too. Yeah. yeah I've heard you say she a lot about great. her. But... And she works with, um, you know, she, <laughs> I laugh because, you know, she had worked with a couple mules and donkeys. Um, and then, um, when I met her now, a bunch of my other mule and donkey friends come and I, I just have to credit her because it, she, it doesn't matter if it's some you know, feral mule I just bought or whatever. Um, she's willing to, she really has a teacher's heart like you do um, and has helped me with that. But the main thing that she has introduced me to as well is just being a steward of the animal. And we very rarely do you hear stewardship other than if you're in the Boy Scouts or they start talking about forests and nature, you know, having stewardship. But um to me, the, the word stewardship is, you know, really puts together everything that we should be doing for our animals and making sure that they get the health care they need, that they're getting the food that they need. Um, and then also, um, you know, there's been several cases that I've taken in um, because, and I'm not a big rescuer. I do help a rescue, but I'm not a big res person that goes out and looks and helps rescues. But here recently, there was a horse that I had been helping this family and and um, they decided they they really had no business owning a horse. And um, the horse kicked at another horse and sideswiped one of their teenagers who had gone in the stall to get the other. So it really wasn't the horse's fault at all. And uh, <clears throat> the father just wanted rid of the horse. And I'm like, he is headed for the meat market. That's exactly where this poor thing is headed. And he's sweet as he can be. And so I, you know, your heart goes, oh no. So I brought him home hoping I could find a place for him to be. Well, turns out he's really pasture aggressive. He's grain aggressive. And he had about four different places on him that um, were very painful for him, a hawk and, and different things. And my vet figured out that he was probably an old roping horse. And um, I... I just decided that, you know, he's not going to make a good pet for anybody. And um, I was able to get him in uh, to do postmortem research um, at the vet school here. Um, you know, so that way his life, because he was only 13 years old and in, the, in that rough a shape. Um, but that stewardship of, of the, if you love, you know, your mule, at least be taking care of your mule. If you can, you know, try to take care of, others other animals too and um so that they have a soft landing and he was able to have a soft landing and then at least his life was not um wasted completely because 
they used like his legs for um research that they're doing and also teaching for the other vet school students and different things but we need to be able to do those hard things for these animals um you know and and sometimes it costs a lot of money i mean it just does and um i see a lot of people just oh you know not in this group but i see a lot of people just like well this one's not working i'm gonna go get another one or this one's lame and they just send the other one off to the auction. Um, and I would rather, I would much rather have them buried on my property than, um, you know, end up shipping to Mexico and, and some of the, and also, you know, I was concerned that this horse would end up at somebody else's house that wasn't aware of all of his injuries and be trying to trail ride him and stuff. So, but the stewardship and horsemanship to me, you know, they just should go get, go together. Um, but I just see a lot of people, um, when things get hard or the animal gets too old, they ship them off or the, you know, and, um, but that's just something I really, um, believe in and, and hope that more people will do. And, and, and I do think a lot of the people here on the East coast that, that follow your clinics, several of them are rescue, rescue group, you know, um, Jane Johnson does, has a rescue that just helped me um with a dog that I found uh, and <laughs> um the but she ended up in a wonderful home and and um we have some really great great people that do care about the animals and um and I guess one of the questions and it's a continuing question I'd love to hear from from you but also anybody else that has ideas on it is that the horsemanship and the wanting better for your animal and better for yourself people i'm always looking for a way to get people to buy into that sooner than they do necessarily and some people never will because it's human nature um but the you know the wanting better for themselves and and wanting an upper level of horsemanship other than i went on the you know, I made it through the trail ride and I didn't die kind of thing. Um, but it definitely, um, and the only way I've come across it is to present it yourself, you know, ride the best you can. Um, you can't preach it to everybody. That's for sure. Um, and then, and be encouraging so that, so that maybe they want more, which is better for them, safer for them and better for their horse. Yeah. It, it's just, th there's so many analogies we could use for that, Shannon. Like, you know, like I think about, uh, I share this example sometimes. You you might've heard this story. You've heard most of my stories probably, <laughs> but like, I remember when I was like 12 or something, I got into paintballing. Remember when paintball was oh yeah was all the rage right uh i guess it probably still is in some places but anyways uh okay got into paintballing and with all these neighborhood kids right we're gonna have a paintball war right <laughs> we're gonna go to battle okay i don't know anything about paintball so i go to walmart first mistake and <laughs> uh i get a pump action paintball gun okay so you gotta go you gotta cog it plunk right Mm -hmm. And it's pretty weak, but I don't know. I don't know the difference, right? Okay. Well, I show up to the first paintball war and we're ready to battle. Well, all these rich kids, they got 
they got the semi-autos and the fully automatic <laughs> and and they you know they got these guns that cost hundreds of dollars and mine was like a 20 dollar walmart gun right well you can tell how it went i got slaughtered i, I mean bet. i just i just got i had so many welts on me you know and uh okay so what do i do well now i gotta save up my money you know i gotta go to work i gotta go get me a paintball you know something better right and then i i slowly get into it but i had to get shot up first yeah <laughs> to realize that <laughs> that okay this uh what i got going all right and then it goes further right then uh you know we don't know anything but a bunch of these kids they were like like these war movie junkies and they had like tactics oh no <laughs> I just ride horses and mules, right? I don't know anything about fighting, right? So, okay. So, you know, so anyways, deeper and deeper I went, right? Until I got, I got, you know, in my, you know, teens, a little better at it and we could have some fun. And so it's kind of like that. And the other thing, the other analogy I, I always use a lot is, you know, it's kind of like religion too. Like a lot of people don't find religion until they go through some catastrophe in life. Yeah. And that's sad, you know, they don't find God until their world falls apart. Yeah. Sometimes it's the same way with, with, with horsemanship and mulemanship is a lot of people, I mean, sadly, it's probably, I would say 50 plus percent of people that come to my clinics are coming after they've had wrecks and, you know, uh, injuries and you know trauma and and honestly i'm no different either because i went through lots of bumps and bruises trying to find a better way yeah okay well that that sucked i just got bucked off how come i got bucked off yeah oh well i didn't pre prepare my meal well how do i prepare them how do i get better how do i do this and so i think i kind of think that's just the the story of life also is yeah. We, as we grow, we learn, but you're, you're absolutely right. The best thing that those of us that have went through the trouble is to be examples so that hopefully we can help somebody sooner. You know, one of my favorite things, and, and I've been trying to tell more people about this because a lot of people don't realize it, but kids under 12 get to come to my clinics for free with an adult. So cool. like if their mom or dad are in a clinic, the kid mm -hmm. under 12 gets to come right for free. Cool. And yeah. I'm seeing more and more and more kids that get to come. Yes. In fact, in your clinic in at Leatherwood, Clint is bringing a couple of kids. Yes, I think which that's is awesome. really fun. Yeah, granted, they might not last, you know, the whole class. <laughs> that's fine, right? If they yeah. if they maybe are only in it for an hour, they're like, oh, this is boring. Because my classes are definitely, you know, for adults, you know, um, deeper thinkers, right? But Anyways, I, I'm seeing more kids, and I think that is another gateway to helping people start sooner. Yeah. I think of, I got a, oh, there's a handful of youth that have started with me, and they're now in their later teens, growing up a bit. You know, there's uh, Bentley White down in Texas, and there's, you know, Shane Mincing in Colorado, and Kate Doty in Colorado, uh, you know, the, and there's Chloe Seitz in Utah. Anyways, there's a bunch of these these young men, young women that they've been riding with me now since they was, you know, eight, nine, ten years old. And now they're in their late teens and early 20s. And uh, 
this just the way of life for them. They don't know oh, anything yeah. different. They just ride yeah. like this. They just do it. And they are way further along than I was at that age. Oh, I know. I I, so I bad. See, I could have been like that. I see kids all the time. Like um, there's a couple ladies that have Linda Hoover out and their kids are, you know, that age. And I was like, gosh, if I could have started out with her at eight, you know, or 10. Yeah. I mean, and there was somebody I just saw the other day and they were just talking about how, you know, there's some younger, older teenagers, younger adults who are starting out now as horse trainers in our community around in North Carolina area. And quite a few people are kind of poo-pooing them being, oh, you're so young, but look at the horsemanship that has been available the last 20 years that these younger kids have grown up with um, that we never had the opportunity, especially older adults did not have the opportunity unless you, you know, were lucky enough to go to a Buck Brandeman clinic or something. Um, <clears throat> you know, back in the day, this stuff was not wildly, widely available or it was in a book, which is really hard you know, not everybody can read about riding and then take that and and do it in real life. I mean, a lot of people can't take a video. That's why your clinics are so successful because they need someone to physically show them, um, you know, and it's just it's just the way people learn um, different different things. Um, it's been fun with the um, I do a lot of Western dressage now and um, I've, Linda and I've put on some clinics to help people get started in it. And one of the things that I do is like, hey, these are the, here's your test that you need to learn. Yes, you can have someone read it, but you still need to know your test. And I go over, here are all the different ways people learn you know, some people can learn it just by reading the paper and imagining them do it. Some have to set up the cones and physically walk it themselves. Um, you know, and some people listen to it be called. And so you have to figure out how you learn the best. But horses and riding and stuff is so physical that you really have to have it, you know, in person to get a lot of things um, as far as that goes. And then and then something you always preach is you know the homework and practicing you have got to go out there and practice that and write it down and and I sit there and will physically you know close my eyes sit in a chair because it's not fair to practice and practice and practice over and over and over again with an animal I will sit there and move my hands the way I'm supposed to and imagine my seat bones and you know use a seat bone and imagine using my legs so that I get the movement cues that the animal needs correct um you know especially after a clinic or after a lesson it it adds to that muscle memory that you need to be able to find it without thinking about it so and i also um i've worked with a lot of 4-h kids and then i'll work with a kid who hasn't been in 4-h or hasn't really been in a lot of sports and it's really interesting. Um, I'm sure you see it too, between like your kids who have grown up with you saying, pull the left rein, you know, or, and, um, but the kids who haven't been exposed to doing any kind of physical thing while being instructed, 
um, there's a, a big delay. And I, I see that in adults too. There's a big delay when you go to pull, you know, say, hey, pick up the left rein. At first they have to go, which hand's my left? Which one? Oh, that's the rein. Okay, I'm supposed to pick it up, you know. And the, the moment is gone, but you just have to keep going over and over again and they, they get it and um, it gets better. So as far as that goes, yeah. It's yeah you, you, you mentioned something that I think is super important is, is, uh, you know, visualizing. Yeah. We teach this a lot in the master class, especially visualizing, because like you said, let's face it, you can only do so many rounds with the actual animal because we forget we're dealing with the brain too. They, yeah. they have, they have a mind, they, they got a body and, and there's only so much you can do. And it takes me back to my rodeo days. And I use a lot of examples and analogies from rodeo, but it was like when we was practicing, you know, when I was riding Bronx, okay. I, I could only get on so many because physically you'd break down at some point yeah. I'm exhausted at yeah. some point, you know, I, I have just maxed out my reps. Like you just can't do it, you know, or, or at least your quality of reps goes down, mm -hmm. you know? So, but what you would never run out of is visualizing reps. Like really I, I learned I can do as many as, rounds as I wanted to, you know, until I just fell asleep or, you know, or, or whatever I'd, yeah. you know, often do it, you know, before bed, right. Laying in bed, you just think about it and whatever. And, uh, you could do all kinds of reps in your mind, you know, but, uh, so, I, so I like that comment. That's, that is important, you know? Yeah. The thing that's really interesting to me that I actually learned about it from one of the first people that I followed that was the TV type clinician, you know, was Chris Cox and he called it soaking. And mm -hmm. so now, of course, Dr. Stephen Peters has has quantified exactly what it's called and what the horse is doing. But they visualize like after we teach them something and do stuff, if we give them that that space to sit there and think about what just happened, they were replaying it in their mind. Their eyes go quiet. They don't blink. They're 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 not paying attention to their surroundings and um, and they're replaying what just happened in order for them to get the release. And um, it was really interesting because Malachi, my colt, um, after I think it was about our, our fifth ride, Linda was here and we did more on that fifth ride than I had done with any of the other rides, more transitions, more turning. And um, when I, and we let him sort of think about things a few times during, while I was on his back, after I got off, I told him good boy. And I just stepped away from him. I was about six feet away from him, just holding the rein. And he went into that kind of zone. You could tell he was replaying everything, the big ride that we just did. And then he sort of like, what? And I mean, he was in there for like five minutes. We just stood there and we were talking and stuff, but we were just waiting on him. Well, he kind of woke up because something happened. And then he went right back down and was thinking so hard about the ride that we just did. And because Linda helped me do some side pass from the ground on him and everything else. Well, <laughs> finally, Linda said, let's just untack him and we can just leave him here. <laughs> you know? And I literally untacked him and he never woke up from his little replaying of what happened. And, but he's the kind, and I think the mules are too, but he especially 
once we do something, he learns it. If he gets that chance to replay it right then, it's learned. And so, yeah, we can't, um, I think back about when I was showing quarter horses, um, you know, the repetition, 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 repetition that we did and that a lot of show people do now um, <clears throat> that that I'm sure the horses were just sick of it. <laughs> and and we need to replay that you know visualizing is essentially like what we're doing and it's what they do too to visualize what happened um i think one day when i hopefully get to heaven it'd be really interesting to find out how the horse and the equine how they think and feel and like when they're replaying stuff you know we're such a visual creatures and they're such a feel creatures um how they how they actually how that looks to them you know that we're what riding riding them feels like to them and um just really interesting um how how different we are but we're able to come together and do great oh yeah so. you bet yeah it's interesting these days i do i do less reps with the animal and i get further along yeah in my clinic so i have people you know work at this quite a bit and that's because the human needs the reps. Yeah. You know, the, the human, you, you need to do enough because so many people lack the motor skills. Like you were mentioning, okay, pick up on your left rein. And for so many people it is, oh, well, well left hand, which one's the left? Oh yeah. The, oh yeah. They're the rein. And it's not, it's not smooth. It's not that muscle yeah. memory. They, they don't have that. And so the, the repetition is for them. And yeah, I guess we have to sacrifice them the mule, the horse a little bit for that. Uh, okay. Sorry, mule. You're going to get a few more rounds <laughs> for the human's sake so that the human can be better for you later on. Yeah. And, uh, that's, you know, I guess just kind of how it has to be. Well, point. yeah. If, if when you're learning, you know, they have to at least put up with it while you're learning. And, um, yep. years and years and years ago, I rode, um, in a Chris Cox clinic and, um, I told him at the very beginning, of the clinic because the clinic was two full days and I knew my meal seven like if I did rep 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 with the 20 exercises he does that I would have no mule no mind left I might have body but I would not have his mind and so I said hey Chris when I when I get the exercise like one of the exercises he did was a really fun one where you would walk and then you would do it at the trot and you would fan their hindquarters to the left and to the right as at a walk and then at a trot I said hey can I ride by you doing the exercise and say hey Chris you know and if I'm doing it right I'll need to quit because I won't have any meal left and he's like sure so that's what we did the whole clinic and um seven was still bright and engaged but um I'd just walk around and watch everybody else do it um but I had to sort of do that to protect my mule over a whole two. It was all day, both days. It was eight hours, both days. And that's a lot, you know, um, even for mentally for people, I think too. But, um, but that was really cool that he was able to work with, um, you know, work with me on that. And um, he actually rode seven at that clinic. And I think it was probably the first meal that he'd ridden because he asked me a whole lot of questions before he got <laughs> up. <laughs> So. Yeah, it's it, it's interesting because uh, you, you know we break our clinics, most of our clinics, into th two three hour sessions. So yeah, 
and it's usually two different classes. So people, different people, different animals usually. But if you rewind to when I first started doing my clinics back in 2012, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, even, uh, it used to be full days like that. You just come yeah. three full days and that's how I did it. Well, you know, I didn't have, I didn't have the people to fill the two classes for one. That was a big part of it. Yeah. But, uh, I realized exactly what you just said. I, I burn most people up and most animals out doing full days. And so it was interesting when I switched, a lot of people complained about it. They're like, Oh, wow. Geez. We want to ride all day. And I'm like, no, you don't. You, you yeah. quit. Do you, do you not remember last year? You quit. You know, you, you had to go yeah. take a, a lunch break for three hours, you know, and then you came back and you wrote a little bit. So you still only did half a day. Yeah. But, so, so now, you know, the three hour sessions and it's interesting now, three hour sessions. Now I get people that are like, oh, that's a lot, you know, in a three yeah. hour session, you know, and <laughs> like, well, I'm not going to shorten it from that. You guys, yeah. but I have really tried to integrate that soak time, you know, to our, okay, mm -hmm. do a few reps and I really need you guys to soak. And, and I've, and I've, and I noticed that a lot of times people, when they're soaking, they just go visit and hang out and play. And I'm like, okay, well, you're kind of missing a good opportunity. Yeah. I want you to soak. And I want you to be invisible. Now, now I use that phrase. You need to be invisible. Yeah. Don't, don't do anything. Just let your mule, let your horse just soak and replay that and, and get those chemicals, get all that, all that good stuff going on so that we can learn. Yeah. And I'm getting, well, more, they're I'm all getting missing, more progress out of that. They're all missing such, um, you know, I'm always the, the clinics that I have attended mainly at meal days. Um, granted you're tired and you want to go get something to eat and stuff, but man, you're missing out on like over half of what you can learn by not coming and watching the other session or sessions. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's something we do at my house when, when Linda Hoover comes over, as I tell people, like your lesson might be at 1 PM, but we start at eight, nine o'clock in the morning and we'll go till six or seven, depending on how many classes she has. Um, Cause she does mainly one-on-one -on -one stuff. Um, but um, you know, I encourage everybody like show up early. I've got these little corral plant pens. You can put them in if they don't want to stand tied to the trailer all day. And if you watch everybody else's lesson, you'll see that almost everybody's struggling with the same thing. And sometimes watching them struggle with it helps you learn it more. Um, and you can watch them and go, Oh, well, you know, she's, side passing to the left she should be looking to the left and now that you've seen like somebody else make the mistake and you know what should happen hopefully that'll help you when you go to do it go oh i'm side passing to the left i should look left um you know and it just it it just always amazes me when people you know won't even go watch a free clinic you know that's maybe it's not the same horsemanship or the same even the same like I learned some stuff going to a team penning clinic one time and that was really cool. Um, and then since I've gotten into the Western dressage, I'm, I'm part of a really large um, right classical dressage or English dressage group. And um, they offer clinics and all kinds of educational things. And I've learned so much about biomechanics and, did all the different things um, from all the different um, types of riding and, and things that people do with their horses. 
Um, and you can, you know, you can always take that and you'll, you'll run into one that, that, that it, this one's not working the way all the other ones worked. Oh yeah. I remember that mule at a clinic or that horse at a clinic. Um, one of the interesting things just to kind of throw it out there that I've learned since I've been involved with this dressage organization. And it was from a, a clinician named JJ Tate who teaches and she's does the classical dressage. Um, basically their tongue is one of the largest, longest muscles in their entire body. And it, it really connects to all kinds of things in the back of their throat and down. And if that tongue has tension, then the rest of the animal can't relax. And, you know, the, the idea is that when we're riding them, that they're not in tension, they're doing things through strength for, through being relaxed. And so many people, um, and we don't see it as much in the Western world, um, and especially the meal world, but they'll put the noseband on and put it so tight, the horse can't move his tongue. So he has nothing to do, but be tense with that tongue. And now you're riding him and telling him to relax. <laughs> you know? And so that was just a really interesting, um, one of the really interesting things biomechanically and otherwise that I've learned from getting involved with a whole nother group that's outside of, of what I normally do. So, so I always encourage that too with people. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. It's amazing how contradicting we can be with mm -hmm. our goals and what we actually do. Yep. You know, and uh, one of our lessons is begin with the end in mind. Mm -hmm. So what, what are you doing right now? How does it compare to your goal? Yeah. You know, I want to be an Olympic swimmer. Okay. Well, you probably should stop eating those ding dongs. Yeah. Right? <laughs> like, that's, yeah, I know it tastes great and it's really mm -hmm. fun right now. That's not going to help you. I want to be an Olympic swimmer and you know, they're, they're bulking up and build a bunch of, you know, bulking up on muscle. Okay. That's, yeah. that's probably not going to help you. My, you know, um, I want my mule to be really soft. And I, I've seen people, they have told me they're sitting there standing next to their mule with a chain over its nose. And they're on. telling me how, <clears throat> how they want their mule to be soft and supple and, and gentle and, and kind. And they want the mule to like them, blah, 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 blah. And I'm, okay, take the chain off. Let's start <laughs> there. Because everything you just said is being contradicted by that chain over the nose. Yeah. Whatever. That's just one example, but. Oh yeah. And the, the funny thing that you said is, so on my door frame of my kitchen, where I go in and out of all day is a saying that I found somewhere. It said, what have you done today to get closer to where you want to be? Mm -hmm. And that can mean totally in life, like paying off a bill or, cleaning up the house and, you know, or painting, you know, part of the house, because that's where you want to be. Um, and in the horsemanship realm, you know, okay, I couldn't ride the last couple days, but I have a couple of books I'm working on. And so that gets me closer to where I want to be by watching, you know, some of your videos on the, on the um, video bank thing and, or, or reading some books and um, just learning will help you later on when you or you can sit there and visualize but you've got to do a little bit of something every day to get closer to where you want to be and it doesn't have to be i rode my mule it 
you know, because that's not possible for most people every day. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's but, a great, that's a great thing to have to see, you know, how, how am I getting closer to my goal? What am I doing yeah. to help me achieve that? And there's various ways of doing that, of course, but uh, that's a great thought. Yeah. Um, it's, it's been on my, on my door frame for about two years. It's really That's great. good. Right that's, where that's I see really it every day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause uh, yeah, that's, that's interesting how many things we, we do that, you know, get in the way, you know, yeah. and um, if we can stay focused and, and think about it, it sure helps. But Shannon, um, I want to, I want to talk about mule days at Leatherwood. I, yeah, I absolutely love your event. Um, Thank you. let's see, what's the first year you had me there? Was it 18? Um, I had 18. you, um, eight years ago. Let's see. I had to sit down and write it out. <laughs> yeah. I, well, it's just like, it's oh, just like you, home to us. I mean, it's just. The first just, year you came was in 2016. 2016. Yeah. I started so. the event in 2013. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then in 2020, we didn't have anything. And then luckily um, we were able to only have your clinic on 2021, but we've been back full force the last two years. And when you come in 2024, it'll be the, your eighth year coming and our 11th year of having the event. So. Wow. Time flies. It is uh it is a highlight for me. I love it. Good. Just, everything is, everything is so amazing there. I, I love the atmosphere. Love yeah. the people, the people. I mean, really uh, we could take a group of people would have fun no matter where we was. Oh yeah. But it's a beautiful Leather, atmosphere. The mountains itself. are beautiful. I've been going to Leatherwood since close to maybe 2001 or two, something like that. And to me, it's my sacred space, my sacred place. There's something about that place and the, you know, and it's like the right people are there. Good things happen there. Um and so for years, so we have another mule days that's, that's actually closer to me, but it is not reflective of most of the mule people that I know. Most of the mule people I know are more family oriented people. And this other mule event, um, it's been going on for years and it's a lot of fun, but it's a little bit of a crazy wild party. Um, it's called Benson mule days. And, um, for about four or five years, I joked with Abby, who who's one of the owners at Leatherwood, that I would like to start my own mule days um, that's more representative of what most mule people I know are and who they are. And so, you know, after you say you're going to do something a couple of times, you better stop saying it or you need to just go ahead and do it. And yeah. that's what we did with mule days. And that first year, I just... I just advertised it on Facebook and um, we filled it the first year. Um, we had a trainer that came, but she didn't really give a clinic. She was a Mustang person. She did some demonstrations and then, <clears throat> um, but yeah, we had people from eight or eight or nine different States. People come from Florida um, and, and Ohio and all over the place. Um, and it's just continued because I think I, uh, luckily attracted the right, the right people for the type of event. Um, 
you know, I, I guess they get a clue when I advertise it as a family oriented, <laughs> you yes. know, donkey day. So it is definitely family oriented. It's just a wonderful time. So what was your, I guess you kind of give a little hint there, but what was your vision with starting it? You wanted to have a family, a family show, a family deal, but what was your, what was your hopes and dreams and vision of it? Well, I just um, really wanted everybody to be able to get together and, and enjoy their animals together, learn from each other. Um, the first, I mean, it's still happening when we get there, but the first couple of years, it was so much fun because people were meeting folks they'd only ever talked to on Facebook and, or other, you know, and um, so I just wanted really, you know, overall, just people to be able to come together and, and enjoy their animals together and meet each other. And then we just, I just added things like the parade and um, now we're doing a tax swap and um, having vendors there and the meals that we do together. Um, and then we started out having an actual show on Saturdays um, that was more like a traditional meal show. And it wasn't as well attended because otherwise I was attracting more trail riding people. Um, and the show people um, that were coming, you know, weren't really even staying and enjoying the rest of the mule days. They were just coming and doing the show and leaving. Um, and so when I switched the show over to being the obstacle stuff, um, and then uh, later on came up with that Supreme Trail Mule Challenge, um, you know, I just really wanted to reward um, all the great trail mules that are out there and the people who maybe don't show or or maybe they're interested in showing, but they've just never done it before. Um, you know, I, I just really wanted to to also with the obstacle stuff, I think it gives people stuff to work towards and then they come and they find out where they are with their obstacles and then they, you know, go back home and build some of their own Um I know our, our friend Connie has a ton of obstacles now built at her house and, um, <clears throat> you know, it just um, adds to the fun as well. Um, but also like Leatherwood to me had for years been just a wonderful place. And so sharing that as well was a big part of having it there. Um, I had a couple of people say, oh, well, you've outgrown this facility. You need to move it. And I'm like, that this facility is part of meal days as much as the mules and the donkeys coming is the people um, at Leatherwood, the people that do the reservations every year, they tell me how much they enjoy meal days. And when the meal people come and when the meal people call to get their reservations, um, they do a bunch of other events during the year, but they just tell me that the meal people are so accommodating and willing to work with them. And, um, you know, if something happens, um, you know, reservation gets mixed up or whatever, they don't get upset. They don't, you know, they're just like, Hey, we'll figure it out, you know? And, um, and I enjoy that because the meal, the people that own Leatherwood, I've been going there so long and I've done quite a few other events with them. They really 
there I mean when when someone in that community there at Leatherwood passes away that they knew they they contact me and I go to the the funeral and um you know and I I go up there and visit with different people up there so it's really like a second home to me so to have um the the people who are attending Leatherwood be so gracious and and kind to the people who own the place you know because those are my friends they're not somebody I hired you know to run the place and so that that them being so accepting and family oriented as well is what makes it all work I think so but we do do fill up we do fill up and it's we have the primitive camping available but we do fill up pretty early um every year um and I, you know, I'm always open to suggestions and try different things and we'll see what people want to do. We had a, a couple of years, we had a cook off, you know, cooking competition and um, we've done, done a lot of different things throughout the years, but it's, it's been a good, good, good gathering and I'll just keep doing it as long as people want to come. Heck yeah. Well, you, you did a great job with it. We love it. We absolutely love, love it. We're all. It. Me and Sky and the girls, we bought our tickets already. So we're ready Good. to we're ready to Good. come in May. Can't wait. So yeah. looking forward to that. I, I know everybody um is really excited, especially when you bring the girls. And um they're there I have to get my coloring contest up going every <laughs> Yep, <laughs> gotta like, get the curling contest. That coloring contest, it's hilarious. Like the number of people who are excited about that and um, will be coloring at night with the flashlight from their phone when it gets too dark for them to see. And, you know, you wouldn't think, but, oh my gosh, I mean, it is so competitive, um, Mm -hmm. as far as that goes. And, um, yeah, as far as that goes, but, and, and I think that, you know, your family and then your style of horsemanship and everything was, um, just such a, a great addition, um, two mule days and I know the first year that you came I had said well we'll see how this year goes and I'll let you know and because we had had another clinician in there that just didn't really mesh with um the family oriented and the the down-to-earth um way you present everything um and that's why I picked, you know, having you come too, is, is I said, well, you know, from watching all your stuff on Facebook, I think he'll be a good, a good match. And um, now it's like, um, I need to book you for 2025, like before we even start. <laughs> and um, that's just the way things are rolling, which is spectacular. Yeah. Um, but it's like, I have to print out a calendar uh, for, you know, we barely, I haven't gotten to 24 yet. I think we need to print a calendar for 25, but oh yeah, um, that, um, and I hope, you know, people can come some years and can't come other years. Um, but we've had quite a few people who come every single year and, and look forward to it and enjoy it. And, um, and it's, you know, you go to some events, um, and you might be the only meal there, or you might only be a couple meals there and the rest are all horses. And I noticed a long time ago when I trail rode with, um, this meal group that was, we'd, we'd be 20 meals strong going through the woods. And, um, I had ridden with them with my mules for a pretty long time. And I went to an AQHA trail ride, which I really love their, their trail rides too. A friend of mine in Virginia put one on, and I went and I was the only mule there, but um, 
oh my gosh, the horses were prancing and dancing and spooking and neighing and screaming. And, and I was like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, you know, I forgot that this is what a horse trail rides like. And not every rides that way, but, you know, people don't, you know, work with their horses as much and they pull them out and want to go on these rides. And, um, and the mules just, um, seem to kind of, you know, the more well-trained and broke ones just, you know, they just take care of business and they're not, you know, screaming and crying and jigging and, you know, for the most part, um, but that was really fun. And, and so that was part of it too. I wanted to offer the mule and the donkey people, um, somewhere to go where they were all amongst friends. Um, and the number of saddle donkeys that come to the clinic is just so much fun to me. Um, oh, yeah. that we've, we've had more and more every year. Um, yeah, donkeys are getting more and more popular. It's pretty fun. Oh yeah. Yep. yep. I like that. So they'll, 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 they'll teach you to wait mm -hmm. <laughs> and they'll also teach you. I really find with my donkey that, um, and I've had a couple others before I got her, but, um, she has a, a, a level of touch and feel and softness that most people blow right through, um, with their cues. And then they end up having to tug and pull on them and kick on them where if you just ask like a feather nine times out of 10, she'll go, Oh yeah. And go, you know, um, but they definitely, even more than the meals have their own thoughts about things. And, um, but that's what has to be, you know, that's what, <laughs> that that's has to be what's fun about them too, is, um, you know, a couple of the trail ride, we went on a trail ride a couple of years ago, we had 11 donkeys on the trail and we just, had such a good time and it wasn't about like getting to where we were going it was just about enjoying where we were and I think that's kind of even more what the donkey is all about too is just kind of being being present like we've been discussing oh yeah well I think uh I think it's healthy to be well-rounded in in these equine you know I think if you really want to be good with the mules you need to understand horses and donkeys yep and that's why I bought my first donkey. That was my excuse anyway for buying yeah. my first donkey was I wanted to learn more about the donkey yeah. mule and you see where it got me. <laughs> you see a lot of folks that are, you know, like mule don mules and donkeys only, no horse yeah. or or horse only, no mule donkey, or you know, or mules only, no horses, you know, whatever. And it's hey, you know what? Don't forget a mule is a product of a horse and a donkey. And the more you yeah. can learn about those two more you don't understand the mule for sure so um so shannon uh toward the end of all my shows i like to ask my guests if if they had one piece of advice for people going down this road of life now it could be advice about you know like what we've been talking about horsemanship and mulemanship and or it can be just just life advice just uh just something you've already given a whole bunch of good gems i like your yeah uh, I you probably know, used all the ones up by <laughs> you know i like your the one on your door frame you know but uh anyways what what would you what would you like to share with our with our listeners something um probably well i know you're really into books um one of my favorite books that i have read uh read recently is um sacred spaces by susan fay and um i highly uh recommend that book um talk about um being more aware of 
and be, and ways of setting goals to go towards and ways of being more present. And then also the, the listening, however you want to define that of your animal. Um, I really recommend Susan, Susan's book. And she, she's actually, um, she's an older lady now, but she's actually still doing some clinics. Um, but she doesn't advertise them. She says the, the people, the right people find my clinic and just show up. So, um, but really just not getting in a hurry with your animal. Um, it's a journey that, you know, today you might just do a little bit of something, but it's going to mean so much more when the animal puts all those things together. Um, being in a hurry to, you know, get um, these young mules um, riding and, and saddled and stuff. Um, I think, you know, it's not just because they turn two or because they turn three, it's time to, to saddle them. Um, some mature faster. I think it has to do with the breed that they were crossed with as well. Um, you know, cause all those horses mature at different rates. And so making sure that you don't, um, kind of push them before their time. And, and, um, there's plenty of work to do, um, without getting on them. There is plenty of work to do <laughs> that. Um, and, and really just, just being well-rounded and, and being willing to, um, um, learn from everybody, um, even if it's what, learn not what to do, <laughs> um, as far as that goes. Um, and then if we, one of the pieces of uh, advice I give people is with our meals, especially if we're not going to a clinic with Ty or maybe a mule show is when you're out in public, and this is something I got from when I lived in England, in order to go on a trail ride, we had to go buy a show coat and we had to braid our ponies before we went off the farm. And so we, um, because when you're off your farm, you're representing yourself and your farm, the farm that I was taking lessons at. And so I've always tried to, when I go into public of any kind, even a trail ride with my meals, my tack is clean and well fitted, my, you know, outfit for is looking good. I'm not got the old, you know, raggedy, whatever shirt on. And I make sure that my mules are, have a haircut and they're clipped up and they're looking good. And, um, because that might be the only mule, um, that somebody is, might be the first meal they ever saw. So, um, you know, we don't, we want to think of them in a, in a positive light. Um, and I also don't normally take my mules out into general public and like at a open show or something, unless they're, I'm, I'm pretty confident that they're going to make a good presentation. Maybe they don't win, but they make a good presentation and they're not screaming the whole time. And they're not, um, <clears throat> because then anybody who has a negative opinion of a mule, it just adds to their list of things. They don't like the mule. So yeah, don't give them more ammunition. That's right. No, <laughs> Well, Shannon, uh, those are some great words of advice, and and I'll second that. Uh, Sacred spaces by Susan DeFay. Um, yeah. Uh, one of my dear friends, Vicky Lawson, actually sent that book to me as a gift last year. Awesome. I get books all the time. People send me books. I I love it. It's like yeah. my favorite thing is when I get a book from somebody. 
anyways, that's a great one and, and uh, highly recommend it as well. In fact, I have it on my list to do yeah, uh, oh, yeah. a debrief yeah. of it on my podcast. So yeah, definitely. it's sitting in the pile. So yeah, yeah, you'll definitely have to let me know when you read it because it is it is great. So yeah, I've read it. It's good. I oh, just got to yep. I just got to do a debrief. Yeah, do on the, the review. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll do well, it. Um, it's pretty cool. So, uh, well, Shannon, thank you so much. Um, before we before we wrap up, uh, how can people find out more information about Mule Days at Leatherwood? Um, I have a Facebook page that's called Mule Days at Leatherwood that you can follow. And then also you could, you know, follow me on, on um, Facebook and then, which is Shannon St. Clair Hoffman. And then also leatherwoodmountains.com is where you make your reservations um, and they have the basic information about it. So. Yeah. Um, and they, and this, uh, I still got some room in the foundation class yes. for this year, but yeah, if they, if, if you're interested, interested in the clinic portion of it, go to tsmules.com. So. Yeah. And it's, it's a great, it started out as um like just Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And now I think I get there the Sunday before and I'm there for a whole week. And so you can make a whole vacation of it, ride and ties clinic and then stay for the show and the parade and, all the other fun we do coon jumping and stuff at night so it's there's a lot going on <laughs> yeah it's awesome so thanks so much shannon and and everybody out there listening thank you so much for tuning in uh shannon and i would love it if you would leave us a review tell us what you think of this episode five stars is what shannon deserves for sure <laughs> well, so uh you. leave us five stars tell us what you think um you can always email me uh your reviews or your thoughts or your questions to uh, ty at tsmules.com. So everybody, thank you so much for listening. God bless you. And we will see you down the road.